0: Welcome to the 26th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Today, my guest is Boyd Morrison, author of the new hardback thriller, The Ark, in bookstores now. Stay tuned for my interview with Boyd Morrison.
1: This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast.
0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is suspense and thriller novelist Boyd Morrison. Morrison's first novel in print, The Ark, has just been published in hardcover by Simon & Schuster and is available in bookstores now. Morrison had a unique path to publication that we'll discuss in this interview. Boyd, welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Great, great. Well, I mentioned your first novel in print, The Ark, has just been published by Simon & Schuster. I'm curious, if someone hasn't heard of Boyd Morrison or The Ark, can you describe the book's premise and what someone could expect in reading it?
1: Yeah. Um, I found a great review that I loved the way they let off. They they said The Ark was a cross between Indiana Jones and MacGyver. <laughs> um in the Ark, a relic from Noah's Ark gives a religious fanatic and his followers a weapon that will let them recreate the effects of the biblical flood. And a former combat engineer named Tyler Locke has seven days to find the Ark and the secret hidden inside before it's used to wipe out civilization again. And I, I think it's the kind of book that would appeal to readers of Clive Custler, James Rollins, Dan Brown, that, that kind of genre.
0: Great. So there's a ticking clock, seven days or we're destroyed in a flood. Yep. Cool. Well, as I mentioned in my intro, The Ark is your first book published in print, but I specified in print because you had a unique path to hardcover publication. Um, Can you talk about exactly what led to your selling The Ark to Simon & Schuster?
1: Sure. Well, um, I got my agent uh, with the ARC in 2007, and we did some edits and started submitting it to publishers in 2008. And we got what I call rave rejections. Um, The publishers uh, loved the premise and the plot and characters, but they didn't see how they were going to fit it into a crowded thriller market. So uh, we got rejected by 25 publishers. And so when I was putting my website together in 2009, uh, it was around the same time that the Kindle 2 was coming out. And at that time, Amazon was just starting to let unpublished authors upload their uh, manuscripts to the Kindle store. Mm -hmm. And so with the blessing of my agent, Irene Goodman, Um, I put the books uh, both on my website for free download and also onto the Kindle store um, and just wanted to see what would happen. The Kindle store was actually an afterthought because I was going to just put the books on my website for free download originally. Well, um, I didn't do any advertising or promotion, but simply through word of mouth on various uh, ebook discussion forums, the book started to take off. And within a month or so, the arc was the number one selling techno thriller on the Kindle store. And in three months, uh, for, for all three of my books, I sold 7,500 copies. And by the end, I was selling about 4,000 copies a month.
0: Wow. And And what what price, what price point were you selling those at? I'm just curious.
1: My 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 first novel I priced at 99 cents as a intro price, and then my other two books, including the arc, I priced them at $1.99. dollar 99. And um, I looked at that as my promotional budget. So instead of say pricing them at 5.99 like a paperback, sure. I priced them at a dollar 99 and um, let the Amazon bestseller list do my promoting for me instead of selling them for $5.99 and using the proceeds to buy advertising or things like that. So once they were selling very well, Simon & Schuster got interested and um, gave me a a two-book hardcover deal for the ARC and the sequel, which I'm writing now. And I also got a two-book paperback deal from Pocket Books, which is also Simon & Schuster. And... um, So that's for the other two books that I had put on the Kindle, and the first one of those is coming out in December of 2010. And also because Simon & Schuster was uh, my publisher in the U.S., I also was able to get uh, foreign rights deals in 15 foreign markets for the ARC
0: great well i'm i'm curious if you know given your success with with um ebook publication i'm curious if in your agreement or contract with simon and schuster obviously if you feel comfortable talking about it if you gave yourself the flexibility to publish any works outside of the books contracted um for electronically you know perhaps short stories or novellas
1: um well <laughs> I, I don't really have – I don't know if I have a a, um, a term in there about short stories. Um, as far as I know, I could do it, but I'm concentrating on novels right now. So right, right. I, I hadn't planned on writing any short stories. I'm, I mean, I'm just booked up, uh, no pun intended, with writing the next <laughs> book in the uh, Tyler Locke series. And um, But, of course, Simon & Schuster required that they um, – Retain the electronic rights as well as the print rights, so those right. are with Simon and Schuster. But for, for any novels, they they have the option to uh, have the first look at any new novels that come out.
0: Right. I guess that, I that guess what I, I was well, I guess write. what I was getting at is is do you do you have plans or are you working with Simon and Schuster to to bolster and kind of build on your ebook success? or do you see that as as kind of your entree into traditional publishing and and now you'll be published in paperback and hardback and oh yeah ebooks as well
1: Yeah I mean the arc is available on the Kindle and the Nook and the iPad um, so it is being published as an ebook but but Simon Schuster um, owns the electronic rights So um, I I hadn't really thought about whether I was going to, say, publish other works
0: sure, um, just sure. as
1: I, – I guess you're intending um, uh, as kind of uh, more more as advertising for my novels to put out like short stories and novellas or anything else I would be interested in doing on the side. But I, I really don't have any time for the side anymore. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> exactly. Well, obviously, ebook publication paid off for you, and I'm curious with the continued success of the Amazon Kindle, Barnes and Noble aggressively promoting e Reader, the Nook, and with the early success of the iPad. Where exactly do you see ebook publishing headed?
1: Well, I think there's no doubt it's the. Easily the fastest growing part of the book publishing market. Um, I don't. It's hard to say how far it will go. I, I think it's a much different um, entity than than music or movies because th- there's a major fundamental difference in between those media, and that's music. You always needed a player to play music, whether it was a phonograph or a tape player or a CD player or an iPod. You always needed something to play it. Sure. So, so whatever you played it on was was independent of where you, you bought the product um, or, or how the the product was consumed. All you knew is what the sound coming out of the headphones was. And then the the device playing it was didn't really matter. Um, but with books... The display device is part of the book. Um, you don't need a battery. You don't need any other device to read a book. It's it's fully self-contained. And uh, I think for, for at least probably the next five to ten years, there will be a substantial portion of the market that just doesn't want a, need, want or need a separate device to to read a book. So exactly. I think they will coexist for quite a while.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm curious, just in terms of the the ebook publication and and how you achieved your your book deal. Do you, do you see the prospect of tons and tons of unpublished writers publishing their manuscripts electronically? And then I'm curious if you if you think a future Boyd Morrison will will have a much harder time in breaking out of that pack once you have more and more people kind of throwing up their unpublished novel and given the given the prospect that some of those may not be as well written as yours was
1: yeah well that's that's a good point because when i first put my books up very few unpublished writers were putting their books on the kindle and uh, i even got joe conrath who now has made a lot of waves uh, lately with his book deal Uh, i got him interested in putting his books on the kindle and so you're right that it was a little easier to stand out at that point. Um, in fact, we think I'm the first Kindle author to get a a traditional publishing deal right. uh, for his book that was first published on the Kindle and and now, just a year later the if you look at the Kindle store now, there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of unpublished writers putting their manuscripts out there so I think it can continue to serve as, you know, what I think of as like American Idol for books. You know, the ones that are really good and um, well-written and connect with a lot of people will bubble up to the top. And I think it's very possible that there will be other writers that will – get the same kind of deal i did um but i think you're right that it will be harder to stand out just because of the volume out there
0: and, exactly. and i think
1: the books that aren't as good just won't break out you'll just never hear about them um, right because they aren't being recommended and, and they aren't getting that word of mouth
0: right um, and I also uh, un- had unfortunately
1: something else oh sorry. go ahead
0: no go ahead go ahead I,
1: I i had a few other things going for me in that i already had an agent which meant that when the books started doing well I didn't have to do the agent search she was able to take that information and immediately go to publishers with it and then the other thing was that I had some blurbs from best selling authors who I all, I knew all of them personally and they were gracious to, enough to read my book and and give me blurbs and I think that you know at least even though I was unknown um, re- potential readers could see that and see well at least you know these best-selling authors thought thought it was good enough to read, so so I at least have that recommendation, even if I don't have a traditional publisher saying that.
0: Sure, I was just going to I was just going to say that, as publishers kind of debate where they go with ebook publishing, given what what you were saying a, a few minutes ago, it makes me wonder if one function of book publishing as we move forward in in ebooks would be basically kind of finding the talent in in the ebook store because unfortunately I know from my own experience I worked for a literary agency in New York City for 3 or 4 years mm-hmm. and while there are a lot of aspiring writers and and obviously people out there with talent unfortunately there are a lot of people who when they are submitting their work, are just not ready for prime time. And so mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as you mentioned, as thousands of manuscripts get uploaded, not all of those are going to be what I would refer to as as publishable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, professionally polished manuscripts, so to yeah, speak. And, so. I, and
1: I think that will be kind of self-policing, you know, the the ones that really stand out will will be recommended around the, those web discussion forums and the ones that aren't up to snuff will just kind of, um, you know, putter around at the right, at the bottom right. and, and you just won't hear about them.
0: Exactly. Well, I, I know that many writers hate when someone asks them, where do you get your ideas? But I'm wondering, do you remember exactly when you got the idea for the ARC and when you did have that initial idea, did you have all of the plot lines that later showed up in the book, or was it something that built over time as you started working on kind of the the rough initial outline?
1: yeah, the my my uh, when I was looking for what book to write for my third book, um I had noticed I had been talking with some some other writers at a at a writer's conference and um noticed that what I love thrillers. I love reading thrillers. That's why I got interested in writing them. But I had noticed um, that while there are a lot of doctors and spies and cops and lawyers who are heroes in these thrillers, I had never seen one who had my background, which is engineering. Um, and so I thought, well, could I build a... A thriller around an engineer who is kind of an action hero. I mean, if, if Indiana Jones could could make archaeologists seem cool like cool action heroes, I thought, well, maybe you know, I can do my little part to do the same for engineers. So at the time, I was I, I, I created this character named Tyler Locke, who is a former Army combat engineer whose specialty, while he's a mechanical engineer, he also has a specialty in demolitions and bomb disposal. So he obviously has the chops for action, so I needed a story to build around him. And I was watching a TV show about, um, like a documentary about the search for Noah's Ark.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because I am an engineer, I tend to be, you know, I, I look at things with a critical eye and I thought, well, okay, how could a 450-year-old ship made of wood still be on Mount Ararat and we've never found it at this, up this this <laughs> point? <laughs> And not rotted away because of, uh, you know, just the time it was up there. And I thought, well, maybe there's another reason that we haven't found it. Maybe there's another explanation for the nature of the Ark and the Flood. And maybe the reason we haven't found it is because we've been looking for the wrong thing, and the people who... Uh, Hid it, didn't want us to find it because it held a terrible secret that could destroy humanity all over again. And when I got that spark of the idea, I was off and running with the plot.
0: Right, right. Great. What is your process for writing like? Do you write every day? Do you write at home or at a coffee shop? What's kind of the nuts and bolts of writing for yeah, you? Yeah, I
1: try to, well... First, I tend to outline before I start, because I, I think that comes from my engineering background, I've, I think very linearly, and, <laughs> and try to make sure that I have the plot holes sewn up, you know, for the most part, the major ones at least, before I get started on the writing, so I don't have to go back and, and rewrite a, a ton of stuff because there's something I didn't consider in the outline. Um, and when, when I do get writing, I try to set a... Um, a, a goal of, of, of page numbers per day instead of a time, you know, that I'm sitting down in front of the computer. So I tend right. to be more goal-oriented. I like to say, okay, I'm going to do a chapter every day when I'm writing. And um in that way, I, I, you know, if I get it done quickly, I can sit back and relax because I have it done, or, you know, I, I keep writing until the, the chapter is done. Um And I can write both at home, and, and I like going into – um Coffee shops and, and bookstores, you know, I've, I've written uh, a substantial portion of the arc in bookstores just because it's, it's both inspiring and humbling. You know, it's inspiring that, uh, you know, one day I could see my book on the shelf with all those other books, and it's also right. a little humbling to see all those other books and think, okay, <laughs> I've got to r- try to write as good a p- book as possible so it'll stand out from, you know, w- with all those other books.
0: Exactly. When did you first become interested in writing fiction, and specifically thrillers and suspense novels? Was that something that you had always been interested in?
1: Well, I'd always been interested in thrillers since uh, the, the first one that really got me hooked on the genre was uh, *Raise the Titanic* by Clive Cussler, and remembered thinking that this is just the coolest thing ever. And, you know, I've been a big fan of his ever since and, you know, been a fan of Michael Crichton and Dean Koontz and Stephen King. But it never really occurred to me that I could, you know, actually write my own book, let, a, let alone, you know, do it as a job. Um, but back in the ni- mid-90s, I had written my first novel as a result of going to a, uh, a science fiction writing class. So I thought, well, I, you know, I'm, I'll just try writing a novel, and I did it. Um, and didn't have any success getting an agent, although I didn't try very hard because I didn't know much about the business back then. Mm -hmm. But about that time, my wife had decided that she wanted to go to med school. So we made a deal that I would support her through nine years of pre-med, med med school, and residency by working full-time. And then when she was a full-fledged doctor, I would get to quit my job and pursue my dream of becoming a published author and I would get nine years, the same nine years to do it. um,
0: That sounds like a great deal.
1: Yeah, it was was an awesome (laughs) deal and and I did it in five years. So, so I still have four years that I can, you know, lounge around and and do nothing.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who are some of the writers that you enjoy reading and who have you read lately that you really liked?
1: Well, um, as I said, Clive Cussler. um, uh Michael Crichton, Dean Kuhn, Stephen King were, uh, you know, the ones who really got me interested in in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I read a, a lot of action adventure thrillers like James Rollins, Douglas Preston, Steve Barry, Chris Kuznesky, John Land. Um, and then I read outside the genre, too. Um, World War Z is, is sort of a thriller, but it's also horror. I thought that sure. was an excellent book. Um, the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime is an awesome book. Uh, the Art of Racing in the Rain by uh, Garstein is right. excellent. Um, and then I read a lot of nonfiction, both just because I find it interesting and also because for research for my books, because I tend to feature a lot of – even though my books are over the you know, action-adventure thrillers, I, I do try to ground it in some reality, and so I have to do a lot of research to – to get that grounding.
0: Right. When you're talking to writers and aspiring writers, what what kind of advice do you give aspiring writers who are trying to do what you're doing, which is get a book published and in the bookstores?
1: I, I tell them to, to write a book and then write another book because, and then, then write another book. Because if you really want to do this as a career, first of all, you have to be able to produce books on a regular basis. And then second of all, The Ark was the third book I wrote, but it's the first one being published. And if I had given up on my first book, I never would have been published. And so one mistake I see some writers do is that they they get stuck on that one book and keep rewriting it and rewriting it. And, you know, I say to them, no, just leave it alone. It, it's just move on to the next book, and, and if you get a book published um, down the line, that first book may end up getting published someday. And it, that's exactly what happened with me. My first book that I wrote back in the mid-'90s that I'm probably going to heavily edit before it comes out next year um, is actually getting published. Um, and I know plenty of other authors who had the same kind of story. Steve Barry didn't get published until his seventh or eighth book. Right. But he went back and published all of his previous books, and they all became New York Times bestsellers <laughs> for books that, that were rejected originally.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, that I, the,
1: the best piece of advice is keep writing because you don't know which book it will, will be your breakout book, and you'll get better as you write.
0: Sure, sure. So right now, The Arc is in hardcover, and it's in bookstores available now. What book yep. is coming out in December? That you mentioned in earlier. In December
1: the book is called Rogue Wave.
0: Rogue Wave, and, and that'll be and that'll and be was out originally in paperback. Called
1: the Palmire Impact.
0: And that'll be out Excuse in paperback? Me? That'll be paperback. out in paperback? Yes.
1: Paperback Great. in December 2010.
0: Great. Well again we've been speaking with Boyd Morrison, successful ebook author and the author of The Arc, a new thriller novel available in hardcover now in your local bookstore. If you're interested in Boyd and would like to learn more about him and find out more information about the Ark and his other books, you can check out his website at www.boydmorrison.com. There will also be a link in the show notes for this podcast. Boyd, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having me on.
0: This is David Morrell, and when I'm not working on my latest thriller, I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest interview. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate a review of the podcast in iTunes. It's really simple. All you have to do is go to the iTunes store, and it takes a minute or two to leave a quick review of the podcast, and that way more people can find the podcast, because the more reviews and ratings a podcast has in the iTunes store, the more they feature it and the more prominently they feature it. So hope you enjoyed the interview. Until next time, read some good books and support your local independent bookstore. And I'll be back soon with another interview with a writer that you enjoy reading.